What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through Rent to Retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. I need to double check with Zach, Rent to Retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to renttoretirement.com today. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. Finding rental property insurance has been a headache for the past few years. You know the feeling. You're scrambling, calling 20 different insurance agencies in a dozen different cities, struggling to protect your portfolio at the right cost. But I'm going to tell you a little secret that'll change everything. Veteran investors don't go through the everyday insurance companies. They just use NREG. NREG. That's N-R-E-I-G provides insurance solely for real estate investors. They've built the largest insurance program in the country for residential tenant-occupied, vacant, and renovation properties. The best part? You can put all your properties on one insurance schedule and one monthly bill. And you can add, change, or remove properties without having to cancel one policy and purchase another. They insure properties from single-family rentals, up to 20-unit multifamily dwellings, vacation rentals, mobile homes, condos, and more. Trade catchy jingles for cash flow with insurance made for investors. Visit nreg.com slash bppod to request a proposal. N-R-E-I-G dot com slash B-P-P-O-D. This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 74. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's up, Brandon? Hey, not much, Josh. Uh, how's life on your end? Life is good. Life is good. Been busy, busy. You know, we've been we've been crushing it here on the site, dealing with all sorts of 
chaos, which we'll, we'll talk about shortly. Nice. Uh, got a little sickness in the house, which is uh, a bit unfortunate, but uh, it looks like it's, it's, uh, it's on the mend. So nice. things are all right, man. Things are all right. What about you? No, not too much. I, I got some exciting news that's completely unrelated to us or real estate, but I just saw the new trailer for the new Dumb and Dumber 2 movie. I so, saw that too last night. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Did you see it on uh, Fallon? I didn't see it on Fallon, no, but I, I saw it on a, a YouTube video from Fallon. So, Oh my God, man. When Yeah, the, the, <laughs> la- the last scene of that trailer had me in tears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Check it out, people. I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes at uh, biggerpockets.com slash show 74. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely check it out. If you, are, uh, if you enjoy our show, you would probably <laughs> enjoy the, the new Dumb and Dumber movie. What, what are you saying, Josh? I, you know what, I, I, you know, let, let our listeners make their own judgments about us. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. So, uh, yeah, listen, I, as I alluded to before, want to talk a little bit about what's been causing all this chaos and, and that's kind of our quick, 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 quick tip. There it is. There it is. Took some prodding, but there, there it is. (laughs) All right. So today's quick tip guys. Uh, the the new redesign of Bigger Pockets is now live and available for you guys to check out and test out. If you go on www.biggerpockets.com, log into your account, you'll see a bright orange bar at the top of the site, and there's a button on there that'll let you opt in and start using the new site. And the new site is absolutely amazing. It's cleaner, it's brighter, it feels better. It's easier to use, more functional. We've got lots of new uh, who's it's and what's it's. And uh, we definitely recommend you jump on. We will be releasing this to everybody, to the whole world in the coming weeks. Uh, but uh, as an early adopter, you know, jump in and, and make moves. You know, the one thing I want to jump in there and just point out is to check out your post score. Your post score is kind of an algorithm, a number uh, that shows your influence on bigger pockets. So you can kind of see uh, how well you're doing. Are people voting for your post? Are they saying good job? Uh, by clicking the vote button or not. Kind of a cool feature. And you can also check out the leaderboard and see who the top five uh, post scores on Bigger Pockets are right now. So, yeah, you can check that out on your dashboard by just going to biggerpockets.com and logging in. Uh, you should go right to your dashboard. So, yeah, check it out. Yeah. And, and the other really, really, really quick thing uh, is you can actually see uh, your profile views as, as a, um, uh, on, on a graph compared to your post score and, and your interactions on the site. So ultimately, the more you engage on the site, as we always tell people, uh, the, the more interest you're going to get in yourself and your profile, which as a result usually ends up in you doing more business, more deals, finding more partners, more colleagues. So uh, jump on it. Uh, so that's it. Check out the new site and, uh, and, uh, we, we wish you lots of luck on that. Uh, and that is today's not so quick tip. (laughs) Good job. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, today's a special show. You know, uh, we, we haven't done anything like this in, in a long time. I I believe it was episode 25 was the last time that we, we did something like this. Uh, today we're going to sit down with not just one, but three different, uh, folks, uh, we're going to do three different interviews with brand new real estate investors, and we're going to talk about their first deal. So this is a really, really good show for uh, those of you who are newer uh, at investing. But even if you're a, a sophisticated investor, there are actually some pretty cool things that you'll pick up as well. So pay attention. Yeah. You, you know, I think 
I, I like these shows a lot because I don't know the perspective that you get and the excitement that the new investors have. You can just tell, like, I don't know. There's just something that everybody, whether you're new or advanced, can pick up from and, and glean off these shows. I know I I certainly did. So, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Well, so let's get into this thing. Our our first of three guests today is Jordan Thibodeau. Jordan actually works full-time on the main Google campus in the Bay Area of the San Francisco, California. I don't know. How do I say that? I don't know. I wondered that too. I was like... The Bay Area of California? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, weird. All right. Well, anyway, so Jordan's got a great story of of uh, overcoming that difficult market to jump into uh, into the real estate game in, in a way that uh, those of you guys who are listening to to the show um, might be facing as well. Uh, ultimately, he's he's in a he's in a expensive area and uh, has found a way to to make things happen. So. Uh, definitely want to check it out. And, and, you know, besides that, he's, uh, he's just a great guy and, and very funny and, and, uh, <laughs> very funny. so they don't so, mind uh, our hysterical laughing throughout the whole interview there. Yeah. He's, he's like a little stand up comedian or something, <laughs> man. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. You gotta yeah. like, you guys will like this. All right. So let's hop in. Jordan, welcome to the podcast, man. Good to have you. Oh, this is a pleasure to be on the rich dad, poor dad show. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, this is awesome! <laughs> Thank you guys. Yes, we have we have had a few guests, uh, you know, say that that's their favorite book. And really, uh, yeah, just a few, just a few. Okay, I, I know it's yeah. shocking. Well, when we ask you later, you better tell us something different. So, we'll, okay, we, we will get to that though. I'm going to go over the cash flow quadrant. So. <laughs> okay, good. All right, good. Well, uh, for those of you who don't know, Jordan actually uh, brought us in uh, to the Google campus, me and Josh, to give a little speech on investing in real estate back a few months ago. So today, we are excited to bring him on our turf and uh, talk to him about real estate investing. Yeah. We're going to beat him up a little bit. Yeah. It's not the face. That's a moneymaker. <laughs> you know. There you go. All right, man. So let's, let's jump into this. Enough jokes, enough jokes. By the way, speaking of jokes, our presentation with jokes at Google, totally, I mean, it was a good presentation, but it totally flopped because the wonderful engineers at Google, they uh, don't laugh. Don't laugh. (laughs) I think it started before then when we were at the Google Earth demo and two of my friends came up and said, hi, would you guys like to try this barbecue dish? And Josh turns to them and says, that is disgusting. (laughs) And both of the guys stare at me awkwardly because I know them because they literally like got up at three o'clock in the morning, got to the kitchen at four, (laughs) cooked it all the entire day. They saw me and you and said, oh, I'm sure they like his barbecue plate. And I bring this New Yorker here. And he's like, that's disgusting. And it's (laughs) But thank God Brandon just walks in and goes, I'll try that. And I was just like, oh. Jeez. I will try it. I will mean, try it. I, it was good. Vomiting all afternoon thereafter. It was amazing barbecue. All right. can, yeah. can we, <laughs> this is going to be a tough show, I can tell. <laughs> let's let's uh, talk about real estate, Jordan. You are a novice real estate investor. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. All right. And let's put some context here. So Jordan's working over at Google in probably one of the uh, more expensive areas on the planet to uh, buy real estate. That is the San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, talk to us a little bit about that. So, you know, how'd you get excited about real estate and how did this whole path begin for you? Well, I was for the longest time invested in the stock market. And after a while, I just started figuring out that there's nothing a value I can really add to my stock investing. I yeah. mean, I can do index funds or whatever, but it's nothing else I can do. Um, so after the financial crisis, my uh, old man was like, 
telling me constantly, you got to get involved in real estate. You got to buy something. If you don't buy something, you're a loser. And uh, <laughs> I'm just like, hey, I just graduated from college. I barely have any funds. I can't afford anything. And we live in Silicon Valley where it costs like $2 million for a cardboard box. So there's nothing <laughs> I can afford. So after some time, there's a big story in the newspaper that Amazon was going to be building a fulfillment center in Patterson. So I looked over to Patterson Real Estate and I saw, oh my God, I could actually get a house for like $50,000. This is a great idea. But then I started doing more research and found out that besides that fulfillment center, there's really, good, there's really not that many jobs in the area. Plus that fulfillment center is going to be mostly occupied by robots. Nice. And jobs that they are going to create are mostly six-figure salaries. So anyone who does have that funds will be buying a house in Patterson and not rent it. And robots don't need to rent houses. And no, not at this point, unfortunately. Um, so <laughs> then um, I went up to Sacramento because I have some family and friends up there. And I uh, said, you know, this would be a great area to start looking for real estate. Um, but before I started embarking there, I first had to decide, like, you know, how do I get involved in real estate? So I started doing some Google searches and uh, went on YouTube. You didn't search uh, on Bing? No, I, yeah, actually, at first I searched on Bing, and then I went to a web crawler. Nice. Um, I couldn't couldn't find anything. There. Then yeah. I went to the Yellow Pages, yeah. um, and then after that, I went to Google. And you know, I went online, saw a lot of guru stuff. There's this one uh, guru pitch on YouTube where it's these two guys who are telling you like, does anyone in your family ever die? Because if they do die, you probably could buy the real estate from them. So <laughs> I realized like that's not the way I want to do things. So. I came across this Bigger Pockets website and I just started reading some of the articles. And I think every day I'd read the articles, um, post on comments in the articles, and then I just started listening to the podcasts like over and over again. So I listened to all like I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. It was I the first the first podcast was like it was like you two were like in your parents' basement using a ham, <laughs> ham, using a ham radio. You know, and smoke signal for communication and everything. And then it like, and then gradually over time after around show 50, it started off with Brandon and Josh were both happy. And then around show 50, Brandon was still happy. Then Josh was depressed. So you can see there's only so much he could take of the show, you know? Okay, let's get to the rich dad, poor dad question. You know, what do you do with your family? You know? The show, the show was excellent. A couple shows that really like stand out uh, for me were uh, definitely show number one. And that show number one with the ham radios, Marty, Marty, and his story about how you know <laughs> he got a portfolio up to eight million properties, and then at you know blink of an eye, he's bankrupt and down by two million dollars. And really started thinking because during the uh, real estate crisis, everyone was saying, okay, now the prices are so low, just buy everything you can see and leverage yourself, and everything's going to be okay. And after listening to his talk, I really started thinking like I need to make sure I embark on more of a conservative model because I don't want to overextend myself. Um, so from there, um, kept on listening to their podcasts and I started making trips up to Sacramento every weekend. Do you mind if I ask, I mean, Sacramento, you said you had family there, but that, was that the only mm -hmm. reason you were looking there? I mean, I don't know California at all. Is that cheaper or what's it like yeah. there? 
So Sacramento um, is cheaper. Um, it's a little bit more like I'd say rural. How do you guys say it? And, um, it's (laughs) at the heart of our, um, state's capitals. There's a lot of government jobs and steady employment in the area. Um, there's also Stockton, um, which is south of Sacramento, but they just went into bankruptcy. Um, there's also, uh, you can go into Fresno if you want to. Um, there's all different areas, but I decided to do Sacramento first because I was kind of familiar with the area. And those areas, Brandon, are pretty similar to like mid. I, even though it's like West Coast California, you, you feel like you're pretty much Middle America. Interesting. It's yep. it's very 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 different than San Francisco. How far how far are you guys from from uh, Sacramento? Uh, I live in San Jose, so I'm about two to two and a half hours away. Okay, so it's still within a decent driving distance. Yep. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Which goes back to what I always say to people that there there are places to invest within a couple hour drive of wherever you live. And people yeah. people whine about things being too expensive, but I mean this is a good example that you actually could get into it. And we'll get into exactly what you bought, yeah. but they whine really picking on people, the listeners. That's whine. that's I mean that's not the way to do this, man. You don't want to piss off the listeners. I mean they're already mad enough they have to listen to me all day. So that is I know true. you got the uh, DRG listing all the time, the depressed real estate guy. Yeah. <laughs> listen, you know, first of all, he hates his investments. He hates. His <laughs> He hates his church. He hates his job. Wow. He doesn't like his contractors. And now he has to listen to you two guys cutting jokes. I mean, this yeah, is real estate. It's got to be serious. You know, yeah, no serious business. business. All right. So we're in Sacramento. <laughs> we're looking there. We're going back and forth. And what kind of got you pulling the trigger? And, you know, you, you listened to enough of us and, and yeah. decided that, you know, you, we, you didn't want to hear any more hell, hell from us. So you just did yeah. it. Yeah, pretty much. I was like, if these two can do it, I should be able to do it. So, <laughs> so I just um, went on Zillow and I saw a listing for a house in Sacramento. Um, at that time, I didn't know if I wanted single family, duplex or whatever. So saw the house, it looked good. And I was contacted by the realtor and she said, hey, um, do you have a real estate agent? And I'm like, no. And she's like, okay, can I be your realtor? I'm like, okay. So <laughs> she just loaded up MLS, uh, checked the MLS, and then um, she just took us through multiple houses in the Sacramento area. Um, she took me to one house that looked really nice from the inside, um, and I was going to make an offer on it. But then a day later, some guy got shot and killed in front of it. Oh. So that didn't, <laughs> that didn't quite work out. <laughs> After that, um, she took me to another house. And this is in the middle of July in Sac- Sacramento, which is like 100 <laughs> degrees. And she's like, all right, before we go in here, you know, this house is just a little bit lived in. But once you get used to smell, it's like a great deal. <laughs> I'm like, my dad's like, son, you can go in first. I'm not going to leave the car. I'm like, okay. So I opened the door, and it was just like – the smell of 100 cats just peeing and just <laughs> oh, no joke, no jokes, Josh. Here, that's yes. not what that's, that's not what my house. You know, felt. I mean, Brandon. Brandon, if comes. you visit, if you visit him up in Montesano, <laughs> yeah. you'll you'll smell it from the outside. Right. And does he even have like birds in his walls or something too? Or <laughs> those something? are gone. I patched up right. those holes. Patched they them. Died. Up. Yeah. <laughs> I re- I rescued those baby birds with my own like gloved yeah. hands, and they flew. The yeah. yeah. That was good. Anyway, I have a no. I have I have a nice house. (laughs) Moving on. Let me actually ask you. Let me ask you this. This is this is going to be the most difficult podcast yet. (laughs) My my question is: What what price range were you looking at? Again, I don't know Sacramento. So what were we talking about here? 
Yeah, when I first started, I really had no criteria, um, but I was saying, okay, something like lower than something between like a hundred to two hundred thousand. Okay. But I discovered that after looking at fifty houses. Before then, I was like, oh, I want to get something for seventy or eighty, and all of those were pretty much slummy houses. Another house I looked at, it turned out that right next door there was a gigantic meth lab and like a weed farm, so it didn't quite work out. So that's when I started learning. First of all, um, I need to get my criteria together. And then second of all, I need to get a realtor who's willing to push back on me when I suggest that we go to homes that are just have that have no curb appeal whatsoever. So I let go of my first realtor and I found a second realtor. And I knew she was excellent because she would give me data about the neighborhoods and tell me, like, you know, I would feel comfortable walking in this neighborhood. This is a good middle-class neighborhood. You should start looking here and there. This is what price ranges you should look at. So me and her started working well together, and um, I started giving her criteria of what I'm searching for. And what was really nice is, you know, before you start any endeavor, they always say, you know, have a hobby plan or a business plan. And this for me is a hobby. So I created like a hobby plan. And what's great is I did it on Google Docs. And this is not like a product placement commercial. Or <laughs> um, if you aren't using enterprise apps, I could connect you with somebody. But anyways, um, so what's really cool is I'm looking at my, uh, my, my hobby plan right now. And it's like a page and a half and it's pretty solid. But then I go into revision history. And originally it said, um, I want ca- I want cash flowing producing properties managed by a property management company to decrease my time involved and produce a steady income which can finance my way of life. I would like to generate a monthly cash flow of ten thousand dollars pre tax on one property. Exactly. So that was just like boilerplate, like MBA, like first year <laughs> MBA student business plan, you know. Um, and then after time, I got much more specific to what I have right now. It says, you know, I buy and manage duplexes in the area surrounding UOP Law School, UC Davis Med Area, and Northeast Sacramento Airport. I screen tenants and bring quality tenants to the neighborhood. I will purchase properties with curb appeal. And for the first three years, I will reinvest pro- profits back into the properties. Um, and I went into different criteria about what I'm looking for as far as cash flow and how much I'm willing to put down. Um, and I only got would, to would that. Would you mind sharing any of that? Yeah, my criteria is, I mean, one thing I, I noticed on the, on the forums is um, it's a forum, so there's always going to be debate. And there's people who are on one side of the fence saying you'll know, be ultra conservative. The other ones are saying be ultra liberal and, and henceforth. And for me, on my end, I want to buy one duplex a year. I'm not trying to build like a whole entire empire. So I'm more on the conservative end. So I do 25% down. Um, I'm looking for curb appeal, meaning that people walk up to my duplexes and they think that they're attractive and they want to stay there. Um, and I also want them to cash flow at least $200 per door within three years. And then my business plan goes into risk factors such as you know having a- adequate cash reserves, um, about taking too much risk, uh, because my number one thing is I don't want to hit a home run. I kind of just want to hit consistent singles yeah. so I can stay in the game long enough. So when people are swinging from the fences and missing, I have enough cash to go gobble up those properties at a better price. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. So, so talk about the within three years thing. You know, I, I, I've never heard anybody uh, phrase it that way. Typically they say, Hey, I'm looking for a property that cash flows a hundred bucks a door, 200 bucks a door. Uh, if you're aiming for 200 bucks a door within three years, uh, why for 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 other new investors who are listening, why would the property not cash flow 200 bucks right away? 
What 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 would you do to would it decrease or would it? I'm assuming it's increasing. So what what are you doing to increase? It's a couple things. Um, the first thing is a uh, it'd be more of a check on myself. Um, we have this tendency because now we have real estate calculators that we can do a real time uh, quantitative analysis of how well our property is doing, and you kind of become like Smeagol from Lord of the Rings where all you're doing is focusing on your precious COC return, my cash on cash, (laughs) my precious. And all you do is you focus on that all the time. But then what you're going to do to support that number is you're going to maybe dip into your maintenance reserve, dip into CapEx, try to charge higher rents, which increases vacancies. And you're not focusing on the key things that adds value to your property. And And what are those, by the way? For me, like I always look at it as um, for me to add value to the property is, first of all, I got to make sure that the property that I do, I do buy looks attractive, which is completely subjective. But, you know, it, it's got to look like someone took care of this property, has you know fresh coat of paint, the shingles aren't all destroyed, the floors are in good conditions. Um, I also put, you know, uh, a, wash, a washer and dryer combo on my units. Um, I just make it feel that there's value being added to um, where you're staying. Um, because I feel like a lot of people see uh, duplex and they say, oh, the rents are low on this and I can just increase the rents. But by doing that, that sends a cascading effect where now your tenants feel like, well, you didn't really increase the value of the property. You're not giving me any other services. You're just squeezing more out of me. So I don't really feel like this is a good deal. Yeah. Um, and then going back to the three-year thing, I learned, and this is a new mistake, uh, I didn't do the best of due diligence when I was checking the rent roll because I inherited one tenant who just signed a new lease for three years, which locked his rent in um, about $100 below the market rate. Mm. Um, so in about three years, I'll get to where I should be. I mean, I'm, I'm still cash flowing fine. Like right now, my, my cash flow on that duplex after all of my expenses, um, but this is not including depreciation, uh, cash flows at about, uh, he, I, but he's pulling out the, the calculator sorry, about, by the about, way, about, folks. Yes, of course. About $350 a month. Um, cool. So once that, uh, lease you know expires, I might be able to increase the rent. But you know, also for me, it's having tenants in there long term who are happy and pay rent on time. And being that that tenant um, is consistent, I'll probably I might just keep his rent the, the same way it is right now. Hey, hey, really quick. So right now you've got this one duplex, correct? Yeah. Okay, and both both sides are rented. Yep. You're not living in half of this thing, obviously. Nope. Okay, that was my question. Nice. I, w- I was wondering, originally you said having a property manager manage this for you, but that sounds like that's changed, correct? Now you're doing it, is that right? Yeah, it, it's changed. Okay, so tell me about that. I mean, like, why did that? Why did you decide to manage yourself? from? And that's a long distance. A lot of people are scared of that kind of thing. Yes, exactly. Um, and this is kind of a side story, but uh, my aunt um, was a property manager in my apartment complex I used to live at. And when she took over she just increased the value of the whole entire apartment complex by getting all the riffraff out of there and bringing um, families there who are college-educated and hardworking people. And it created so much value in the apartment complex that she never had to actually put out a for-rent sign. She already had referrals coming 24-7. Then she left, and the landlord put in this guy who was a three-fingered man. He literally had three fingers. And he would close his property contracts at Home Depot's parking lot at night for some odd reason. And after time went by, I used to you know, watch cops on TV, but every day 
at the apartment complex, all I had to do was just open my door and get some pizza and sit and relax. <laughs> and just watch the fights break out and the cops come. I mean, the cops are coming like three or four times a week. Nice. Um, so what I learned from my aunt was, you know, the value of good property management. And if I'm going to contract out a property manager, if I don't really know how to be a, uh, you know, a community manager myself, then what can I do to, uh, you know, be able to assess the needs of this? Yeah, no, that's awesome. Well, I, I agree with you completely. And, uh, I think, you know, it's, it's all too easy to say, Hey, let's, you know, let's just hire somebody who's a professional, which I, you know, you should be able to do, uh, and count on them. Unfortunately, and this is just a point of fact, and, you know, some property managers aren't going to be happy about it. There's not a, you know, there's, there's a lot of property managers who do an absolutely awful job. <laughs> and I think it's so important for investors. You know, I'd say if, if, if we had an industry where 95% of property managers rocked it, then it'd be easier to say, you know what, you don't have to worry about it. Just go find a good property manager and you're good to go. But I, I think that's just not the case. And, and that's unfortunate. So ultimately, you kind of have to learn the business if if you're going to to go and hire somebody because you got to know what they need to be doing. I I really truly believe this. I mean, again, if the industry had a had a better quality uh, um, property management, I don't know, program training, national something certification, I don't know what it is, but uh, perhaps uh, we we. We'd be talking about something else here. Well, but, I think the uh, problem. I think the problem is that most property management companies are run by, you know, people, and there's no training other than, I mean, th- there's no training, right? Like, so just yeah. like if you go to McDonald's, you might have some really good employees, but you might have some really terrible ones because there's not a whole lot of training right. that goes into a minimum wage worker. This, you know, yeah. it, it it's that's the, that's the problem with it. It's not like I mean, even real estate agents have. There is McDonald's University, Brandon. Okay. Excuse me. <laughs> there, there, yeah. is, there is not property management. You. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, right. exactly. I mean, have you tried making a double double? It's pretty tough. <laughs> uh, that, that that would be in and out, my friend. Which, oh, excuse me. See, I I don't go to McDonald's anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I want to ask you from your perspective now, having done this, you bought the duplex and you're cash flowing really well. I mean, you're really like off to a really good start. Actually, I guess I have two questions. I want to hit both of those. One of them is, do you have any advice for newbies that are in your shoes a year ago or two years ago uh, who want to get started, who live in an expensive area like you live in? Do you have any advice for them? And then my second question is, what do you plan on doing next? You said one duplex a year, but what's your long-term goal? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, um, my advice is, you know, before you initially think, okay, I need to go out of state, um, try actually just looking at some properties in your area or the surrounding areas. Yeah, it might take you an hour and a half or two hours to drive there. But in the process, you're going to learn a little about the business so that if you do decide to go out of state, at least you know some of the lingo and you can at least keep the property manager accountable to what's going on. Um, I just like having the ability of being able to drive to my property and check on it whenever I have to. Yeah. And you can listen to the podcast in the car. Look at that. Exactly. Double right, whammy. yeah. And then... And then before you pull the trigger, um, I always suggest look as many houses as possible. Don't fall in love with the first one because it's, it's so easy because you think like, oh, this is the best deal of all time. But odds are if there's so many deals out there, then there's no real deals. Mm, that's a tweetable topic right there. A little, little, little bit of wisdom <laughs> yeah. uh, from uh, Jordan over here. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm just curious. You know, It sounds like that realtor thing was kind of a mistake. 
Um, were there any any kind of key mistakes that you made that you might want to share where other investors could can kind of take a lesson and, and learn from where you messed up? Yeah, it's better to set up your uh, contractor's network before you need it. Um, I got referred in um, from a family friend who's a home builder. Um, that friend referred me to a handyman, and he was able to take care of law work for me. But then as it came about emergency repairs, I did not have a system set up for a handyman to take care of that work. So one time on Friday at like 1130 at night, I got a call that a sink fell, and I needed to get it fixed. So I contacted one of my uh, handymen to go fix it. I realized that I did not have a system set up for that. So if I would have set my system beforehand, I wouldn't have to take that call at Friday night at 1130. Well, and, and if you live in like Podunk, Montesano, Washington, <laughs> even if you do have that set up, you know, Brandon has things fall apart on the weekends and still has to take care of it, even though he has a network because <laughs> they don't work on the weekends, apparently, yep. where he lives. So yeah, I mean, is, and, and I'm, sometimes. I'm poking fun, but at the same time, it's it's legit. I mean, this is something that that you kind of have to think about. You yeah. know, if you if you're buying properties in areas like that, you, you know, you you really do have to think about the uh, repercussions of you know, hey, how do I get maintenance handled at, at, at any time, any day? Yep, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any like resources uh, that you've used that have helped you in your real estate investing? Oh yeah. Um, the best one for scouting would have to be nextdoor.com. It's a social network for people uh, living in certain uh, zip codes. So what you have to do is have a zip code and address, and you enter it, and then this allows you to gain access to the social network for that area. And you don't even have to live there to gain access to it. So I joined my social network for my duplex up in Sacramento, and what's best about this is this is an unfiltered view of what's going on in your neighborhood. Because if you go on Zillow, if you go to Trulia, or talk to some of your realtors, they might try to put lipstick on a pig on what's going on. This will show you the nitty-gritty of like issues that are are happening in the community, or if this community is on the up and up and they have strong neighborhood watch. So it's a way for you to keep tabs on your community without you being physically present. So let me ask you about that, because I, I use Nextdoor for my, my home area, and it's great. Our local police department posts all sorts of alerts, and the neighbors will you know, warn each other of things, do yard sales, you know, help each other with referrals, things like that. But it, it typically is a closed network. So, you know, if you do not live in the area, you have to verify your address in order to do it. So are you just giving the address of the property that you own yeah. or are you using it prior to even getting in? So there's two ways of doing it. I use one for my neighborhood. I live in Willow Glen. And then for the property you own, what you do is you contact customer support and you tell them you own a, a residence in this, in this area. And they'll just say, okay, register with a different email and we'll give you access to that area. Nice. That's really, yeah. really, really good advice. I, I, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then the other one is Asana. Um, it's project management software. And I taught my contractor how to use it. Um, what I do is I tell him, okay, part of our system is anything under $300. What you need to do is um, go into Asana, take a picture of what you're going to repair, take a before and after shot write down what you did and then attach an invoice to the Asana task and then assign it to me. Interesting. And so what's great about this is you can create multiple file folders for each property. So if I'm going to do due diligence and I'm going to try to sell my property, um, I always believe the best, best sellers are the ones who are transparent. 
So hopefully if someone wants to come by my duplex, I'm going to share with them a sauna and show them all the work that's transpired on this property. So there's a record. Um, so it's, it's pretty nice. That's, that's a really good idea. And that, that website is asana, A-S-A-N-A.com. It's yes. a, it's a, uh, yeah. pretty, pretty good project management platform. Uh, yep. definitely recommend it. I'll yep. check it out as well. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, Jordan, uh, where do you see yourself, man? Yeah. You're, you're kind of inking, you know, inching up with, with a uh, property a year, you know, what, do, do you see some cap? I mean, you you started with this plan of what? What was it like? Ten k? I, I feel like a month. Right, right. Um, that's what I was thinking about. Um, are you are you still looking at that uh, long term, or is that kind of you know pared down a little bit? You know, right now I'm still going to go for that one duplex a year. The ten k goal is appealing, but I have to figure out how I'm going to get there first. Yeah. Um, I start with duplexes because I look at it as before you go into apartment complexes or anything else, you should at least know how to manage small uh, two-person dwellings. And then from there, sort of level up to the uh, commercial and go for apartment complexes. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, listen, there's, there is no, uh, there's no wrong way to do this, I, right. except to do, the, you know, go and do illegal stuff and bad things. Exactly. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, so every, everybody's got their own path and, yeah, and uh, we, you know, definitely appreciate you sharing yours with us mm-hmm. and, and hopefully uh, at some point, in the future, we'll we'll have you back, and and we'll get to do uh, you know a, a a bigger and better show. Before we run out of here, let's uh, let's do this uh, this famous four. First question of the famous four: What is your favorite real estate book? Buy and Hold by uh, this gentleman who I can't remember right now. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's next called question. buy and hold. We'll <laughs> come back to it. He's googling it, folks. He's googling it. All right, what is, what what about this <laughs> business book? What's your favorite business book? Fooled by randomness. Okay, I've never heard of that. What is that? This economist, or sorry, this day trader basically looks at stock traders and businessmen and says, you know, it's maybe thirty percent skill and then maybe sixty to seventy percent luck. And we, some of us. What we like to do is create a narrative of why things transpired in our past, but actually some things are unexplained. Cool. Interesting. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. Uh, what about hobbies besides cracking jokes? I really like I'm big into meditation. Um, I also enjoy barbecuing and hiking and all the other typical San Francisco hippie stuff. So nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. All right. My final question. What do you believe, in your experience, sets apart successful real estate investors from those who never get off the couch and do anything? People who are aware of their own emotional climate, understanding their highs and their lows, understanding when they don't have a full picture of what's going on. The people who are self-aware are probably the ones who are going to do the best in real estate. Cool. That's, uh, that's insightful, my friend. Deep. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Jordan, listen. We definitely appreciate having you on board. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you so much. You know, we appreciate you having you as a member and 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 all the support that that you give to to bigger pockets. And uh, we wish the best of luck to you going forward. Thank you, and uh, thank you guys for everything you're doing. Your website's amazing. Thank you, thank you. All right, so where can people find out more about you? You can find me on biggerpockets.com, Jordan Thibodeau, and uh, that's where I usually lurk around. So go ahead and reach out to me. Cool. All right, cool. Jordan. Take it easy, man. We'll see you around. All right. All right. Take care. I'll see ya. All right, everybody. That was our interview with Jordan Thibodeau. Of course, we uh, we encourage you guys to come and say hi to Jordan on the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 74. 
and ask him any questions you may have, or just congratulate him on, uh, you know, getting that first deal handled. Uh, and, and of course, if you want to ask him your, your favorite Google questions, uh, <laughs> he'll, I, I know he'll be happy that I'm putting this in here and he'll be <laughs> glad to answer them. But, uh, uh, we've got a lot of ground to cover today, so why don't we move on to the next interview with uh, Jacob Allen. Uh, Brandon, maybe uh, you want to take this one? Sure. All right. Uh, so Jacob is a brand new investor from North Carolina who uh, just flipped his very first house, and he's got a ton of good lessons to share with us. Jacob actually reached out to me a long time ago, and we kind of connected through his flip, and now I'm really excited to bring you the interview. Because, uh, you know, honestly, a lot of flippers end up losing money on their first house, but uh, not so with Jacob. So we're yeah. going to talk all about that. Awesome. So, cool. Well, let's that. Let's uh, with that. Let's bring him in. Uh, Jacob, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Good to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jacob, you and I got connected a long time ago, and you were talking about getting into real estate and talking about uh, kind of a lot of different options you had. Uh, and then you reached out to me, you know, kind of throughout the process a little bit. We stayed connected, and now you've actually done your first deal. So that's what we want to talk about today. That's a really yes, sweet story, by the way. I know it is, isn't it? I love to see people <laughs> like that, beginning to end. I love it. It was kind of like a match.com kind of thing. Exactly, right? There you go. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So, first of all, uh, let's actually start way earlier than that. Why real estate investing? Like, how did you get into that, like, that idea? Uh, a couple of reasons. I mean, the, I guess those, those TV shows are always a, kind of a good kicking point for people. <laughs> I just, yep. just sitting around Saturday yep. morning watching those, but. I mean, I'd saved some money up for my job for the past, you know, five or six years starting just work. And I wanted an active way to invest in my future, I guess. I didn't want to just throw everything in a 401k and just sit there and let it, you know, just let the stock market be as volatile as it is and just up and down, up and down. And, you know, yep. I wanted to be active in my retirement. So, I mean, it, it, real estate always kind of interested me. My dad was a contractor growing up and I was always kind of hanging around his jobs. And it just, I mean... I guess the flipping shows coupled with that, it just, it just interested me. And I thought that it, it just made sense. The numbers made sense. It just, it was just an easy concept. And you're a grasp. CPA, right? That is correct. So, yes, sir. So the numbers are something that you obviously pay very close attention to. Yeah. And that, there's a distinction here. You say CPA and people automatically assume you're a tax guy. You know everything about tax. I want to make it clear here that I'm an auditor. <laughs> I know nothing about tax. My tax advice is worthless. <laughs> so um, auditors, I... So don't call and bother me, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there's there's several people on the forums that are more than qualified to give you tax advice anyways. So but I just wanted to make that disclaimer. Nice. That's good. That's good. Well, cool. Cool. So <laughs> so you're doing the CPA thing. You you're you're interested looking into real estate and and you know, after after weeks of uh, holding Brandon's hand and going to campfires <laughs> together. That's right. That's right. You decide that uh, you're gonna do some kind of investment and you find a deal. Mm-hmm. And and why don't, why don't you tell us what uh, what that was? What what was the first well, deal? It wasn't quite that easy. I mean, first of all, I mean, I did a, I did. No, a lot come of- on, it was that easy. And you paid me, you <laughs> paid Brandon nine hundred ninety seven dollars, and you had the answers, right? You're right. I, I logged on to Bigger Pockets, upgraded to Pro, and that was it. I that mean, I just, it. it just it just fell in my lap. <laughs> but no, no, no. I mean, I I I'd done some research and. I mean, I, I, I tried to, I guess the expression these days is pull your team together and all that good stuff. And I got a real estate agent and we, I guess we kind of went to work trying to find houses. And I probably, I mean, we probably looked at 20 houses before I, before I found this one. But it, it worked out perfectly because my contractor that I used on this first flip, his wife is my real estate agent. 
So they kind of work together and I could just give one of them a call and be like, hey, let's go check this house out. And they'd be like, yeah, sure. So it's kind of a team effort. We just went over there and we check houses out together. And, you know, that's kind of how we found the first one after, I guess it took 15, 20 houses to check out and, nice. you know, the rest is history. So, so what was that first deal? It was a flip, right? It was a flip. Yes, sir. Okay. So why did you decide flipping and not, you know, another avenue? That, that is a good question. Um, flipping... It just makes more sense to me. I just, I just can't wrap my head around buying holds. I just, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't. I know both of you guys are multifamily guys, and I just, I cannot wrap my head around having a tenant and getting calls from them and it's constantly fun. having, constantly <laughs> having them bothering me about stuff. I just, I cannot get my head wrapped around it. I just, I want to get in, fix it up, get out. I can't fall know. asleep at night unless I have at least three phone calls about hey, toilets. Hey, didn't you have a call this morning, Brandon, about something? What were you complaining to me about this morning? Oh, this morning, I got a tenant that who's giving us some trouble. I'm going to have my second eviction coming up here, which I'm sure Very we'll be nice. talking. Yeah, it's terrible. Anyway, so we officially filed, I think, now. But we found out today, we looked at her original application at where she worked, and we thought it was a nursery, and we found out that it wasn't a nursery. It was a pot-growing farm, because that's legal now in Washington. Or whatever. Absolutely. So she, that's explains everything why <laughs> so there's a, there's a tip for everyone listening is uh, don't just call the place of employment and ask you know if they work there find out what kind of job that actually is can you discriminate so. against pot farmers i don't know but I, I think so i'm pretty sure you i can. probably would have yeah. yes. let, let the chips yes, fall where they may. but anyway all right so <laughs> so you got this uh uh you got decided flipping was the way that you wanted to do it and you yep. still had a full-time job you still have a full-time job despite this correct I do. I have a job that I, I enjoy very, very much. One of my, one of my boss or my boss, I guess my direct boss, he's a really good friend of mine. I mean, we play golf on Fridays and all that good stuff. And I mean, I just really enjoy working there and you know, he's, he's very flexible with my time. So, I mean, as long as I'm getting my stuff done there, I'm, I'm, you know, flexible to take off Friday afternoon if I need to or something like that. So that definitely helps out with the real estate side of things. Yeah, I, so. I I concur. I concur. <laughs> and 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 no, Brandon does not get to go. Play yeah, can golf I go on Fridays? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, okay. Well, how, how much did you pay for this thing? Uh, we paid fifty one five for fifty one thousand five hundred dollars for it. It was it was kind of a um a deal where it did come on and off the market. I guess probably two or three times, and it just fell into my lap one day. I was just it just happened to be perfect timing, and you know there was multiple offers, kind of a highest and best situation, and. We ended up with it with the best offer. All right, so you got it for around fifty. You're in you're in North Carolina, correct? Yep, that's correct. Okay, cool. And what what kind of condition it, was this thing in? It was. I mean, it was a total piece of crap. I mean, this. Thing, <laughs> it was. How it do you was, really it was, feel? It was. It was a gut from from head to toe. I mean, the good thing it had going for it was that it's. I mean, it was. It's your classic three two brick ranch. I mean, this thing was. The outside was solid. There was no problems. I mean, it was solid. No cracks. No nothing. It was a sheer. Just fully inside cosmetic rehab. It was just a, a complete gut job. There was, I mean, everything you can imagine wrong with the inside. It was wrong. <laughs> All right. Nice. Do you, hey, do you know what year it was built? I'm just curious of what uh, age it was. 1972. Okay. okay. All right. So, yeah. so, so you got this this first deal. You got this big old piece of crap. Yep. And and were you prepared for that, or were you you hoping well, you were going to get the uh, the carpet and paint flip here? I mean, we all hope for that, but that doesn't really exist, does it? I mean, I, yeah, I've, I've yet to find one. Yeah, <laughs> likewise. But um, but yeah, I mean, it was. I had my contractor played a huge role in this. He kind of held my hand through it. I guess is a good expression. But he really instilled confidence in me to go ahead and you know we could we could do this for the number he was saying. And 
He even put a um, put a clause in our contract that we had that he would pay for any overages over the contract amount. He was that nice. confident in his numbers. Wow, you know what? That yep. is friggin' brilliant. That is, isn't it? That I I think every everything I do going forward is going to have that clause <laughs> in it. There you go. Yeah. I'm glad I if, if I could provide one tip that maybe, <laughs> there it that's, is that's one for you today. Well, yeah. that, I mean seriously, I I don't know, Brandon. Have you ever heard of a contractor doing something like that? That's that's pretty confident right there. Yeah. Yeah, and that that helps. Actually, a buddy of mine have been talking a lot about that lately. How if you are going to do a major remodel, it's actually a lot mm-hmm. easier to estimate those numbers and be confident in your numbers because, like, you know that the sheetrock's getting remodeled or getting redone. You know that the you know flooring, every bit of it's yep. getting redone. There's yep. a lot fewer su- surprises when it's a gut job. I mean, it, yeah, we 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 saw every inch of this house when we got done with. It. I mean, the walls were completely open. You could see all the way through the house from one end to the other. I nice. mean, yeah. So we, we knew what we were getting into when we got into it. So. Nice. All right. So, so what did you guys end up putting into it? We put in right around 60 into it. I mean, that, was, that, that included the roof too, I guess. I, didn't, I mentioned just interiors, but that, that included the roof, new windows, flooring. I mean, everything. New kitchen cabinets. We even put a deck on the back. Did, did nice. some, you know, put a fence up. I mean, basically everything you could think of. And, oh, right on. And you had this one contractor. He did the whole thing. Is he like general contracting he, it? He, he was a general contractor. He was, I mean, we, he had a bunch of subs that he hired out, obviously. But I mean, I, I just solely dealt with him. He was kind of like my intermediary. He just, he, nice. I solely dealt with him. It, it saved me a lot of time and a lot of headache of having to talk to a lot of different contractors and go out there and, and, and find all these different guys. And presumably right. he did a good job, yeah? It's, he, he did a good job. He did a good job. Yeah, I was very happy with him. Did, did you mention how you found him? I how did I find him? Well, if you would listen, you would have known he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think I actually found him um, just online. I was just like I think I googled one day, just like like general contractor flip or general contractor rehabbing or something like that. Somebody who had specific experience rehabbing a, a complete house before, and I just kind of ran across him. And how did you vet him? How did you uh, check him oh. out? Yeah, I, I I did uh references and all that good stuff. He gave me he gave me three or four references and I called all those guys and he he checked out and I mean I I did a background check on him and all that stuff too. So really, yeah, really. Tell me about the background check. You well, I mean it wasn't a, like an a, official background check, but I googled him and you know did did everything you can do from your home computer to check someone out and all that good stuff. So gotcha. I mean, yep. so I bet I bet you ninety nine percent of people when they're hiring a contractor do not do anything. I mean, I. I, I don't. <laughs> like, yeah, when you I should, trusting, but I don't. <laughs> when you're trusting someone with that much money and that responsibility, I think you owe it to yourself to you know do the minimum at least and yeah. get on there and check well, them out on Google or something. Yeah, yeah, and like lawsuits are all public, you know, public records, so you can find out if anybody's yep. ever sued your contractor. Yep, uh, and that's really important thing. I don't know why I just never thought of that before. So, I don't know. yeah, or, he actually he actually gave me the number of another. Um, he dealt with another real estate investor in the area who he. Had, flipped a house with before. So I actually got to talk to another investor and figure out how they work together. So nice. that was big. Oh, cool. Nice. So how'd you finance this thing? Uh, was it cash or, or how'd you at least finance the, the contracting side, the, uh, the repairs? It was the whole thing I financed with a uh, line of credit on my house. Okay. So I guess it was cash, a really low interest rate. So that, I mean, and we, we can talk about how long I held it in a, in a little bit, but that was big because I, I got a really, really super low interest rate on this line of credit for my house. So that, that played a keeping costs down. I really want to dig in that real quick because I know we don't have a lot of time, but I don't think we've had anybody else on the show that specifically has done that strategy of using a home equity line of credit. Uh, And that's one of the things, uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of that. I've done it, I think, once or twice. Let's talk about that. What does that even mean for those people who are brand new with that concept of a home equity line of credit? 
basically any equity that you have in your house, you can use as collateral to obtain a loan to finance any, anything pretty much. I think there are a few restrictions on what you can finance with it, but you basically take the amount of equity that you have in your house and they'll loan up to a certain percentage on that value. So if your house is worth $150,000 and you have it completely paid off, they'll loan you up to 70 or 80% of that value. Of that value. So they'll loan you up to, I don't have a calculator in front of me, but they'll loan you $120,000 at, a lot of banks are doing at prime, which is 3.25% right now. A lot of banks do prime plus one. So you're, you're, getting, a, you're getting a good chunk of money at three, 4% interest, which is really, really hard to beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So, so you put in 60, you bought it for 50. What'd you end up selling this thing for? We sold it for 154.9. All right, so you made 44.9. Yeah, that, that well, was, plus that was, or minus. <laughs> that's what the uh, that's what the flipping shows would have you believe, correct? Yeah, There's nothing <laughs> else that goes in there. Yeah, nothing at all. No, I mean we. There was a few other things. I mean, we ended up having to put um, city water. We hooked up to city water that wasn't that I didn't include in that number because we we actually had it under contract twice. The first time the guy wanted city water as part of the deal, so I agreed to do that. Seven thousand dollars later, he backs out, gets cold oh. feet, so I'm stuck hooking up city water. So that mm-hmm. ate up about seven grand of my profit. Gotcha. All right. So, so take away city water, your holding costs and, and everything else. What, what do we end up with on this puppy? Uh, we ended up netting, I mean, after closing costs and real estate commissions and all yep. that good stuff that I mis- mentioned, we ended up netting about 11 grand, which I mean, is, it's, I mean, it's not a home run by any means, but I mean, for my first deal, I feel pretty good about it, you know, and making any money on this size of a job, I feel pretty good about it. So yeah. And what would you what would you have done differently, if anything? What you know was was there anything that stands out, or or did it go pretty swimmingly? If I would have done, I mean, I, I think I probably would have been a little bit more tried, at least to have been a little bit more active on the job and been around more, just because I think we we ran into uh, some issues with inspector with inspectors towards the end about just kind of quality of work. So I wish I would have been around a little bit to you know maybe you know, oversee some things and have, have, have some of the subcontractors redo a few things. But I mean, overall, I think it went pretty smoothly. Nice. Oh, that's great. That's great. Now, uh, when, when did you uh, wrap up on that? We closed, this was probably two, about two, two weeks ago. Okay. um, I don't know when you guys plan on airing this, but that was, I mean, I guess April 20th around there, somewhere around there. Gotcha. Gotcha. And do you have anything else in the pipeline or, or what's, what's working next? I'm, I'm actively, actively, actively looking. I, I desperately want to get into another one. But yeah. I mean, if stuff, it just seems like stuff is flying off the shelves here right now. The market is super hot. And you're in Raleigh, and, right? That's correct. All right. So if there's any wholesalers in the Raleigh area that have a good <laughs> deal go. that con- they want con- to send. Contact Jacob Allen. There you go. There you go. Oh, hey. advertisement. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> nice. Well, what would you want to do? Another rehab? Uh, well, presumably yeah. you don't want to obviously buy and hold because you don't like that. Whole thing. <laughs> yeah, rehabbing. I, I definitely want to stick with rehabbing. Well, I think I, I, I want to keep the scope of work down a little bit next time. Maybe. I mean, this was this was a really, really, really big job, and I'd like to get the scope of work down yeah. if we can. But yeah. you know, how long did it take? It took, the rehab itself took about, probably about three or four months, somewhere in there. But we had, you guys are going to like this. <laughs> we had, we had some vandalism on the house. Nice. That set us back probably a good month, Ooh, month and a half. Wow. What, I, what, what we, happened? We, we were, we, we, I mean, we had drywall up, we were painted. We were, we were probably within a week of finishing 
and someone, I guess, someone came in through, I don't know, I, I don't think the police ever determined where they came in, but they came in and they they took a crowbar or something, some kind of blunt object, and they just knocked holes in the drywall oh, throughout the gosh. house, like every three feet. There was oh. holes everywhere. And they put gang signs all over the walls. They busted <laughs> up my kitchen cabinets. Wow. They even, I think they took some some copper from some kind of some some piece of equipment from the AC unit. Who did you piss off? <laughs> I, I don't know. That, that, the call that day that I got that morning was that was that was like a punch to the gut for sure. Yeah. Oh my god! Is there insurance that covers that at all? There is. Yeah, absolutely. I had okay. I had a. It's like vacant home. It's just like a, a builder's risk policy that you hear about on the forums yep. and read about. But they covered they covered pretty much everything. I think it was about fifteen thousand dollars worth of damage, and they covered everything up to. I think I had to come out of pocket like a thousand bucks. So hmm. I, I came out all right. It just set us back about a month and a half because I mean all the subcontractors already out on other jobs and stuff at that point. So it's kind of hard to get people back in, yeah. you know, finish the stuff up. Is there anything, and I'm pretty sure the answer is no, is there anything you could have done to have avoided that from happening? I mean, I don't I don't really so I don't really see prevented how. that from happening. If somebody wants to get into a house, they're gonna get into a house. I mean, yeah. there's not really much you can do. Yeah. I mean, I could have had a flashing security light, I guess, in there <laughs> or something like that that might have scared them off, but yeah. I don't know. I, I have thought about getting some of those a security system to put inside, just like a motion detector making noise. Pitbull, hey, Pitbull will work. Didn't we talk about that in one of the yeah, one of the shows? When we had a, uh, Amanda Han on the show back on one of the early ones. I, you can write oh, off the dog as yeah, a business some, expense. There yeah. you go. She's your tax. She's your tax pro. There you go. She yep. is my tax pro. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, that's great. I, I want to know. Like uh, my last question, I guess, kind of of the set is mistakes. Like, did you have anything that you like flat? I just say we did this wrong. I. This was a mistake. Other than paying a little bit too much for the house, I mean, I don't really see too many glaring mistakes just because I wasn't that involved in the rehab. I mean, mm-hmm. I had a GC doing everything for me. I know a, a lot of a lot of rehabbers on the webs on Bigger Pockets and other places you'll see they like to get in there and they hire all their GCs out and they might even do some of the work themselves. But I mean, I was I was so hands off on this. I just kind of showed up and approved the work and you know answered phone calls and chose paint colors and all that good stuff. That's the fun part of things, I think. I, I hate the dealing with the, the subs. I hate that part. I don't have a general contractor, but if I did... It, I mean, it, it, it cost me more money, but I, I think it was well worth it. I want to be you, Jacob. Yeah? You're, yeah, that's my goal in life is to flip houses <laughs> like you. You know, it's, it's not that glamorous. It's <laughs> all right, I got, I got my last question, and then, uh, then we're going to go to our... our our famous, uh, famous quattro here. All right. Yes. All right. So what, what advice would you have for other new investors who are about to do their first deal? You just experienced it. So what would you tell somebody who says, Hey, I want to, I want to get out there and do it. Um, first and most importantly, I think is probably just to have confidence in yourself. I mean, you're going to have a lot of people telling you, this is a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. Don't do it. You're going to lose all your money. And I mean, if you if you find something, you know the numbers work, you've done your research, just go for it. I mean, get in there and just get after it. Nice. nice. Well, listen, man. So so I, I know this is going to air probably after the, the this happens, but uh, rumor has it you are uh, getting married this Friday. That is correct. This Friday. It's a couple of days from now. I'm, you know, I'm... I'm looking forward to it. It's well, been a long time coming. Well, congratulations to you and, and your uh, soon-to-be wife. And when this thing airs, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, your honeymoon is going well. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward. That, that's what I'm looking forward to the most, going to spend a, a week in the Bahamas. So. Uh, nice. Sounds, nice. sounds good. Sounds Josh, good. Josh, I think we should crash his wedding. 
<laughs> Where, where's it going to be? You guys are more than welcome. You guys are more than welcome too. That would we'll, be awesome. We'll, I want to be Owen Wilson. You can be uh, Vince Vaughn. We'll, we'll crash that. All right. <laughs> Final part of the show, which we want to ask you is the famous four. These are the questions we ask everyone. And so we're going to fire them at you. What is your favorite real estate book? Oh, this question. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not much of a reader. Um, I have read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I have read Richest Man in Babylon. So I guess uh, I have read 4-Hour Workweek. I'm kind of like Brandon. I'm on like page... That's Josh. That's on like page or 27. Josh. Yeah. Ah. I've read that book like seven times. Don't insult me like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I'm only on page like... <laughs> I think I only made it to page like 40 or 50. So I'm doing better than Josh. Some of us yeah, have to doing, work. Yeah, you know, some of you have to be responsible. can't just sit around leisurely reading all day. <laughs> but yeah, I've I really enjoyed Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's one of the few I've read. So nice. uh, cool. if I had to choose one, yeah. Right on. That'd have to be it. I'll get in line. All right. What, what, what about your favorite uh, business book? Favorite business book? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to ask that. <laughs> Buzz, next. All right. What, what, what about your hobbies, man? Since we know you don't read, what do you, what do, you do with your time? I, I, I'm, I'm a big sports guy. I like anything sports related. I like to get outside. I like, I like golf. I like, I'm, I'm a big baseball guy, football guy. Who's your baseball team? I, I've grown up playing baseball my entire life and I don't have a baseball team. I don't, I don't know, know how that's possible. There's not really anybody in North Carolina or South Carolina. So, uh, Wow. Yeah, moving it's... on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love baseball. Who's your team? It, uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure. Let me, quiz you, let me quiz you guys real quick. All right, let's hear it. Are, are you guys... Uh, I've always wondered if you guys are sports guys because you never really hear any of that talk. I mean, it's kind of all real estate related on here. I once scored a goal unit basket in a, in, in a game <laughs> in high school. Goal unit basket. <laughs> <laughs> and he's six foot 12. Six foot... Tw- no, that would be seven I, foot. I'm six, I'm six five and I played basketball for like a, a yeah. week in middle school and, you know... Didn't yeah, work, and the, it didn't work and out the, for me. And the five footers were picking on him the whole there time. There you go. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you guys are, I mean, I'm Seattle. a Mets fan. I'm a baseball guy. I'm a oh, Knicks I'm fan, sorry. sadly. You I'm know, sorry. yeah. It's, I'm it's so sorry. It's pathetic. You know, maybe, maybe one day they'll turn it around. But uh, I'm a Seahawks fan in Seattle. Yeah, Seahawks, I mean, Seahawks right? and Seahawks and Broncos are in the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, Josh, how'd that go? Do you, remember, do you remember that, Josh? Who, who won that? I don't remember that. Game. Who, who won what? The, the Super Bowl. Anybody remember the score of that? Uh, one? I don't yeah, that's remember. What I, thought. That's what I, I thought. really don't remember. But I, you know, whatever. Can we, can we finish this up? You can't flip this interview on us. <laughs> All right. Brandon, what's the last question? Final question of the show. Uh, at least of this segment of the show. Uh, we're going to bring on, you know, more guests. But last section of this is going to be what do you believe sets apart successful house flippers from those who give up or those who fail or never get started? Well, from my expert opinion, yes, <laughs> from my numerous, numerous, numerous experience, um, I'd probably, I mean, like I said earlier, it's probably confidence in your, I mean, just confidence in, in your numbers, confidence in your research, just, just taking action and just doing it. I think is, I mean, if, if you can get to the point where you can, where you can get out there and force yourself to do it, I mean, I think, I think that that's, that's the biggest step that you can take. So I think if you, you can do that, you'll be all right. Cool. Awesome. Jacob, where can people find out more about you? Um, I'm on bigger pockets. I, I hang out on bigger pockets quite a bit. I try to, you know, uh, spend a couple of weeks. Yeah. I try to contribute <laughs> as much as possible. And I mean, other than that, I mean, I don't have a, I'm not, I don't have a fancy website or anything like that. So we'll link to your profile in the show notes. So there you go. There cool. you go. Awesome, man. Well, listen, thanks so much for being on. We appreciate it. And if anyone needs to reach out to you, we'll we'll point to the profile in the show notes. And uh, 
thanks so much for being on the podcast. Sure. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. See you later, guys. Alrighty, guys, that was our interview with Jacob Allen. If, you, uh, if you've got any questions or comments or just want to leave him a virtual high five, uh, the show notes can be found at biggerpockets.com slash show 74, and you can leave Jacob a quick note there. But why don't we get on to our final interview of the day with Jeremy Haman. Brandon, once again, I will defer to you in the introduction of Mr. Jeremy. So uh, why don't you take it? All right. Glad to. Jeremy Hammond is a real estate investor, brand new from the Minneapolis area. And he became interested in real estate actually uh, because he stumbled upon bigger pockets through my personal Facebook wall. That'll make a lot more sense in just a moment. Nice. Yeah. But uh, a couple quick things about Jeremy that are cool. Number one, Jeremy is no kidding. He is a rock, rocket scientist for a job. That is his job. He's a rocket scientist. And two, I've known Jeremy longer than bigger pockets has been around. So you'll hear both these things a little bit more in the interview. So let's get to it. Yeah, and you'll get to learn some dirt on Brandon. So uh, (laughs) that's going to be the fun part. All right, let's do this. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Good to have you here. Uh, Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're good to have you, man. Yeah, well, Jeremy and I actually know each other from from high school. So this is really exciting for me because Jeremy is uh, one of my good buddies. Oh, uh, really? Jeremy. You know Brandon from high school, do you? Uh-oh. I do have to admit, yeah. You might have to share a story or two with us. There are no, there are no stories. Oh, there's stories. No, Money pretty... buys stories. <laughs> and I'm paying. No, me and Jeremy were in, what, math league together? And, yeah. Uh, we used to compete and do math tests every Saturday together. Not That's against each other, but... And donuts and uh, pocket yeah. protectors. It was they, a great time. It was a wow. great time. Hey, Jeremy, you got to dig up some some pocket <laughs> protector photos of Brandon from back in the day. <laughs> I'll see what I can find. Please, yeah. please. I I, no, I, seriously, I like I, I will do anything. Those. I will do anything. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, listen, man, it's good to have you. I'm glad uh, glad you joined us. So you were a newbie real estate investor, huh? I am, yeah. And what exactly inspired you to to get into the game? Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, we already mentioned that I knew Brandon beforehand, and I was actually following some of the things that he was doing as far as blogging and writing online. And so kind of followed him to BP, reading what he was writing, and more for the quality of the writing. But as I read, just got drawn more and more into real estate uh, by some of the things, the ultimate guide to tenant screening and stuff like that. And uh, my wife and I had been talking about getting a house at some point in the future. And the more I read... And the more I got involved at BP, the, the more it seemed like uh, investing was a, a good way to go and really would set up a lot of options for us in the future. Nice, nice. Well, that, that's cool. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you followed me over from probably Facebook. I think we've been Facebook buddies forever. And uh, yeah, got you into BP. So we sucked you in. It's a dangerous thing. There you go. I actually there find that, that quite often, not just like people I know in high school, but just in general, people tend to get like sucked into real estate because it's so like... I don't know if it's just appealing or what, but there's just something that like resonates with people when you talk about real estate investing. So it's nice to see that it worked for you. All right. Well, why don't we, uh, why don't we just start at the very beginning? You said you wanted a house. So what did you end up, what did you end up looking for and, and how long did that kind of take to find? Sure. So we were trying to balance uh, wanting a place to live as well as having an investment property. So it seemed like to us, a multifamily property made a lot of sense. So we kind of started our search for, a duplex, uh, two units kind of seemed more manageable for our, our first time into real estate. And so we, uh, we found some, an agent was recommended by a coworker and started working with him to, to search for properties. And now you're, you're in the Minneapolis area, correct? Uh, correct. Okay. Yep. Okay, cool. So wh- what was the market like, like when you started searching? 
Uh, so this was about a, a year ago, a little over a year ago, and uh, the market was pretty hot then, uh, especially for what we were looking for. It was really hard to to find anything that was on the market for more than 24 hours. You know, some of the houses that we looked at looked like they were straight out of a, a horror film, basically. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> that is a problem with uh, a lot of multifamily properties. I don't know why that is, but I noticed that a lot, a lot of the larger multifamilies, or I mean like smaller multifamilies, but uh, you know, they're a lot of times larger houses. They tend to just look like they came from the Adams family or something. <laughs> like my ugly purple triplex, same way. All right, Ooh, so the, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the market was super hot, and I remember you calling me, or, or maybe we Facebooked, and you just said like every time you looked at something, it was gone immediately. Um, for for those people that are listening that might have the same problem, because this is, I mean, across the whole U.S., people are seeing this in their areas. I mean, what do you recommend for kind of getting over that? Yeah, so we uh, we try to be really responsive. Anytime we saw something come up, we'd contact our agent right away, try to get a booking in within 24 hours, if at all possible. And uh, so we went that route for a while. We ended up putting in an offer on a house. Uh, it was one of multiple offers, and the house ended up going over asking price, all cash. And so we kind of realized at that point we just couldn't really compete for what we were looking for and where we were looking for it. So we decided to make a few changes. We stepped back a little bit and expanded our search area and uh, applied for some cooler markets, able to look at a few more houses. So so wh- what was your original range, and, and then what did you actually expand to? Because you know, I, I think a lot of people find themselves in the same situation, and it's always nice to hear what other people are doing. So what'd you do? Sure. Yeah, so our original range was kind of 150 to 175, and we limited to our favorite kind of neighborhoods in Minneapolis, and uh, as we just started looking more and more at these houses, we realized what we wanted in those areas was out of our price range. So we increased our range as much as we could. We not, went up to uh, 200K, and then we broadened our search to include St. Paul, the neighboring city, as well as uh, a few suburbs. Okay, so you went from you know, a, a few proximate neighborhoods to, say, maybe what a half hour, hour away. Is that, is that about a fair assessment? Yeah, about a half hour. Okay, okay, right on. And uh, ultimately, I'm guessing that helped. That helped a lot, yeah. Okay, so tell us what you found and, and uh, how it all went down. So by this point, uh, it was a little later in the year. We're looking at you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas. And uh, as we're looking at these houses, we're just noticing a lot less competition. Things are staying on the market a little longer. Uh, we're also viewing houses in below zero weather that probably had something to do with it. But uh, we ended up finding a few that we really liked and uh, decided to put in an offer on one in particular. And uh, it went through right away. We were able to, to close on the first offer that we put in at this point. Nice, nice. And on the cold weather, isn't that kind of the norm up there? <laughs> uh, maybe like nine months out of the year. Okay, yeah. okay, just checking. <laughs> All right, so so you guys closed on the deal. What were the numbers? Do you mind sharing that? Sure. Yeah. So asking price was one ninety five, and we offered one ninety, uh, as well as seller paying some of the closing costs. Okay. And this was a duplex, right? So uh, correct. Were they both rented when you purchased it, and did you have to kick somebody out, or what was going on there? Yeah, so the upstairs was rented, the second unit was rented. Uh, the, the seller had kind of made a deal with the tenant. He was trying to have access to the property so he could fix up a lot of the stuff. And so he had given her half off rent in order for her to stay. Uh, before that, she had been planning on moving out. And so when we took over, we offered for her to stay in the property but had to bump rent back to market value. Yeah. And so she stayed for 30 days and then decided to move out at that point. When she left, what were you asking for rent for that unit? Uh, for that unit, we were initially looking at $900 a month. Okay. And 
we ended up actually we're just over a thousand for that unit. We were pretty conservative when we were first looking at the the properties. Okay, so you're getting a thousand dollars. That's today, right? You're you're now getting a thousand. Yes. Okay. Yep. Cool. So how long when she left? How long was it vacant for? Two weeks. Oh, that's not bad at all. So any yeah. uh, any tips for finding that first tenant? Yeah, we referred to your ultimate guide to screening tenants. We use that a lot. <laughs> yes. <And> nice. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we used Craigslist for advertising. We also used Postlets. It's by Zillow. Yep. And I uh, kind of blasted out to a lot of different sites. And both of those were helpful. We had a lot of leads come in from both. Okay. Nice. And the nice thing about that is both those are free. Uh, yeah. I think a lot yep. of people think you still have to like put an ad in the newspaper. And maybe some areas you do. But I find in my area, the newspaper is just dying very, very quickly. We went from seven days in newspaper down to three-day-a-week newspaper. And just because in, in a year from now, we won't even have a newspaper. <laughs> like That's how fast it's dying in my area. So yeah, Craigslist is where most of our leads come from and uh, a few from Zillow as well. You know, Brandon, old man Johnson <laughs> falling off his trailer isn't really news anymore. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, so speaking of that, actually, I look back. Okay, our local newspaper has... This is a really random story, but I got... Uh, anyway, uh, our local newspaper does a section where it's like, 100 years ago, what was the top headlines? And... Uh, so it's kind of fun to read that like every week. I, I, I try to check that out. And a hundred years ago, I read this like a week ago. It said that the top headline was a gang of hoodlums. I think it was hoodlums they used uh, was making their way down by horse from Olympia down to my area. And I just thought that like that was the main he- headline was there was a gang of uh, of thugs. It was thugs and hoodlums or something like that. It was nice. great. So And unfortunately, by the time <laughs> the people read the news, people, they would have already been there. Yeah. <laughs> they were all beaten up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that was really random. But let's go back to, okay, so $1,000 a month, that's what you're getting. What is, uh, what is your mortgage payment on that thing? Uh, so our mortgage comes to uh, 1280 Okay. So then, that's including. Oh, go ahead. That's including. Taxes, insurance, principal, interest. Okay, so you're roughly spending $280 plus utilities and such for, for living there. Right. Cool, and that's obviously a lot cheaper than if you were to go and buy a house or whatever. Right, our, our rent before this was almost as much as the entire mortgage. Wow, wow, so that's my favorite. Yeah, so that, that, that's why I recommend, and that's why I wanted to get you on the show, because I love, love, love that strategy. I mean, I did it with uh, my first rental property was a duplex, and... I mean, my numbers were a lot smaller. I think my first one was sixty thousand and rented for five hundred a month. But still, like I was able to live for roughly free. I had to pay maybe a little bit in utilities. So, uh, definitely, definitely is a good way to go. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, so so tell us, what's it like? First of all, living in a property with a tenant. I, I think that's one of the things that a lot of a lot of people worry about. Yeah. Uh, I personally know I I wouldn't want to do that, but. You know, a lot of people don't care, and and I I still recommend it. I think it's a great option. Uh, but but what's that? That's because like? you're you- old, Josh. <laughs> oh, wow! Yeah, yeah uh, you yeah. just insulted like you know more than fifty percent of countries. So whatever. <laughs> no, only you're old. It's just oh, everyone else okay. is still young. Okay, yeah. I got you. I got you. Yeah. So tell us about it. Yeah. So uh, it was a little bit of a concern, but. Uh, you know, the places we'd been renting, we had, you know, either neighbors upstairs or next door anyway. So it wasn't a huge shift for us. And I think what really made the difference was screening the tenants well. Uh, we, I mean, we got kind of lucky, but we ended up with tenants that would probably fit in well with our friend group as well as being our tenants. And so it's, it, uh, it helps a lot just knowing that we can trust them and, and uh, they're happy to be there too. Gotcha. And, and have cool. there been any, any issues that have, have come up at all? And, and has there been any awkwardness at all? Or everything's been pretty good, pretty smooth? Uh, actually, just recently, just this weekend, we, we had our first major issue. 
the toilet upstairs had a leak. The flange broke, and so we had water rotting away the floor. And so we're in the middle of doing basically a remodel, tearing out the floors, which means our upstairs tenants have no bathroom. And Ooh. so they're now using ours for the next few days. Ooh, fun. That, that could be awkward. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> Would you say you are friends with these people now? Like, I mean, like, do you guys associate together, hang out together, or do you try to keep it like separate? It is getting more and more combined. They've only been in for about a month, maybe a month and a half. Okay. So, you know, we haven't had dinner together or anything like that, but we see each other and we stop and talk. And, uh, you know, these last few days kind of sharing space a little more hasn't been as bad as, as I would have thought originally. Nice. So I, I, I guess the advice when picking a tenant who's going to live in a building that you're living in as, as a landlord and maybe a two, three or four plex might be something like find somebody that not only is a good tenant, but find somebody who also you could potentially, that, that you want to live next door to. Yeah, I, th- I think that's great advice. I mean, obviously there's there fair housing laws, you know, you don't want to be well, discriminating. Of course. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. I was not insinuating such things, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah I, think, you, I think that's a good idea. I mean, that's the one time that you can actually choose your neighbors. There's a very few opportunities in life you have to choose your neighbors, but uh, that definitely gives you the ability. So it's just another benefit of owning those small multifamily properties. Right. And uh, I think another thing that helps a lot for us, this is short term. Uh, you know, our, our goal is to save up, look for a single family home, you know, in the near future and then move out and rent out the second unit. So we yep. figure anything for a few months or a year, you know, we can handle that. No problem. Do you think you can get uh, a thousand for your unit or more or less? What, do you, what are your thoughts on rent on yours? Yes. Our original guesses were kind of 900 for upstairs and 1,000 for ours. Uh, but now that we're in it, now that we've done a little marketing, we're obviously getting over 1,000 upstairs, and we're probably guessing like 1,200, 1,250 for, for the unit we're currently in. Okay. So that'd be a sweet, pretty sweet deal then. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. I'd yeah. move out and get some cash flow. Nice. So, wh- so where are you headed? You know, you got the first property, you're in there. What's, what are the next steps? Are you planning on getting a, a home uh, outside of this investment property or, or are you going to stay there and, and pick up the uh, the next one? Uh, our next home will be a, a single family home just for us to, to live in. Uh, and maybe, you know, further down the road, three or four will be investment properties. Uh, but our plan is to have a place for our family separate from the investment and, and go from there. Gotcha. Yep. Right yep. on. Yeah. I, I, you know, I recommend the, the small multifamilies for people all the time is a good way to start, but I don't think it's a good way to like, and I'm, I wasn't totally kidding earlier, Josh, when I said you're old, what I meant by that was like, you're established, right? You have kids. You oh got, yeah. You know, I'm not going to live yeah. in a duplex. Are you yeah, kidding yeah, me? Yeah, <laughs> you're, like, you're not going to go back to that, but people no, who are just starting out, no. like oh, I talk about in real estate a lot is the need for sacrifice. Like you have to sacrifice if you want to, especially if you want to invest with creativity, if you don't want to put a ton of money down, which I'm going to ask you about that in a minute, but if you don't want to put a ton of money down or you sometimes have to sacrifice a little and that's a good way to do it is by living in a duplex maybe for a year. Uh, you can always move out uh, and a lot of people don't know this but when you move out you don't have to go get a new loan. I mean that loan is your loan for 30 years if you get a 30 year fixed mortgage. I mean that you could do that essentially you could just move every year pick up a new one. That's actually how I acquired my first four rental properties I have I think were all properties that I lived in and to every year I'd move to a new property and just keep that one as a, as a rental. So definitely is a good strategy. But going back to the financing thing, how did you finance this property? Uh, yeah, so we did a conventional mortgage. Uh, 5% down was an option that we had through the mortgage company we went with. Nice. Uh, and so that's what we did. Uh, and then we also had the opportunity to pay our mortgage insurance upfront as a one-time fee. Uh, so it would have been roughly $120 a month had we not done that. And uh, so upfront it was 
$1,800 and then it's just done. It's covered. Really? I never heard about PMI. Never heard of that before. And and tell me about the the five percent loan that you got. Was that like a, a FHA or or something like that, or you know, was your bank just offering really good financing? Uh, yeah, it wasn't an FHA or anything like that. It was conventional. It was just yeah, a great deal through the the mortgage company we went with. That's okay. cool. It's nice to hear that those loans are coming back again. I mean, for a long time, they didn't have anything that was less than twenty percent down. But I am hearing that a friend of mine's looking for their own house right now as well, and he's telling me that they they told him I think he needed. I think it was 10%, this mortgage company told them, but it might have been like eight. But yeah, and still conventional. But I'd never heard of that prepaying your your PMI so you don't have to pay it monthly. That's fascinating. Yeah, I've heard that a couple times. Very interesting. Well, that's what happens when you've been around. Yeah, that's what happens when you're old. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, that's cool. Well, the importance of that, of course, is like uh, you found a lender that would do that for 5%. 5% down. A lot of people go to one bank and they go and ask, you know, what what can you do for me? And they say, well, we got this loan product here, 25% down, you can have a house. And they're like, oh, I can't afford that. And they leave. They just don't even yeah. consider going to multiple places and asking. And uh, I mean, this is proof that if you shop around a little bit, you can find a great mortgage. How did you find your mortgage company? Well, I was going to ask, you know, yeah. yeah, how much shopping did you actually end up doing on this thing? Did you just get lucky? Uh, we, we had a fantastic agent. Uh, he really did all of our recommendations. So he recommended three different companies. and We went with all of them just to get quotes. And this one came back as the best. Okay. Perfect. And that's that's also a really good tip right there is to get multiple quotes. I'm actually doing that right now. I have three of them uh, on an investment property. And that way you can kind of shop around. You can kind of turn it around. This is something Jimmy Moncrief talked about on the podcast we had with him a while ago is turning around the idea of, hey, I really need a loan to offering banks. Hey, I've got, you know, I've got... Uh, I'm a good borrower who wants my business. It's just the mindset kind of twist that you can do. You can sometimes get better uh, better terms, better rates than 5% down apparently. So very cool, very cool. Well, um, I guess it's probably, I mean, kind of covers the topic. Anything else you want to add in there, Josh? Uh, you know, I mean, ultimately, you're new at this as the first deal. Is there anything that you would share for other new investors? Anything that you might have wanted to know that, you didn't learn from bigger pockets or anywhere else that you've kind of gained through your own experiences that you share with folks? Uh, yeah, I, I think probably the biggest lesson I learned was just that sometimes you have to move forward, even if you're kind of afraid or unsure. You know, uh, going into it, a big fear of mine was that we'd get this house and I would have missed something or made a mistake and, and uh, you know, everything would be downhill from there. And there were a few things that went wrong. I mentioned, you know, the, the bathroom rehab we're doing right now. Uh, another one, we bought the property. We had an insurance policy in place, but when they sent out an inspector, they noticed we had asbestos siding and they decided that they could no longer insure our property. Uh, And so that was kind of a hassle. It took us about a a month to sort through that and get a a different company that could insure us Uh, and things like that. I mean, they're just going to come up. So you have to be prepared and, and be prepared to act in spite of those fears. Yeah, that's that's good. That's I, really good advice. I've had that exact same problem with. I have asbestos siding on a couple properties, and and the the siding, there's nothing wrong with it, but some insurance companies, you know, they don't want it because if a little kid goes and takes a sandblaster to it and then inhales the fumes, you know, they don't want <laughs> exactly, to be yeah. liable. So, but there are companies that do insure it, and they're not that like any more expensive. At least in my case, they haven't been any more expensive. Just you got to find the right ones. Yeah. With that, uh, why don't we uh, why don't we touch on the famous four? I mean, I think we're going to ask all of these the famous four. So why don't we do that real quick? Famous four. Uh, the first question we want to ask is, what is your favorite real estate book? I'm going to go with the crowd here and say Rich Dad Poor Dad. All right. I just really like the uh, the whole mindset of being you know financially intelligent, financial IQ. I think it's brilliant. 
Nice, nice. What about business? Brandon tells me you're a bit of a genius, so I, I'm curious <laughs> what your what your uh, business book would be. I think this one's a little bit different. I'd actually say Drive. Uh, it's about what motivates people. A lot okay. to do with people and leadership. Right. I had, I had somebody else recommend that book for me like this last week. So yeah, I feel I feel like that that's come up before. So maybe yeah, someone someone told me about Drive. Anyway, cool. All right. right on. Right on. What about uh, what about hobbies? Are are you in fact uh, a genius? Are you a rocket scientist or something? <laughs> I, uh, I am a rocket scientist. Actually. Oh, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you serious? Uh, I am. I oh, wouldn't classify it a hobby. It's more of a job. But nice. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, that's awesome. Okay, so you're a rocket scientist by trade. What What do you do yeah. for fun? Tra- uh, for fun, travel. Spend for time free. with the family. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, my latest hobby is travel hacking. So nice. using frequent flyer miles to travel the world for free. Sweet. That's Jeremy's awesome. like Jeremy is like super good at like he's always like sending me emails like, dude, check out this offer right here. You can get this, you know, sixty thousand points on this card. I'm like, so like I've I've accumulated like hundred and twenty thousand points in the last six months just from his recommendations. Right, Jeremy, we're gonna talk, man. We, we, yeah, we he's the guy I told you you need to talk to. Oh, okay, all well, those, that's perfect. Yeah, I've yeah. Been, like, now you know each other. Struggling with this, so yeah, I, sp- I'm all desperate to start travel hacking, and and I don't have the time to sort it out. So I'm gonna pick your brain. Yeah, awesome. I'd love to help. Cool, <laughs> cool. All right. Well, my final question is: in your experience, you know, I mean, obviously you're new at this, but from what you've seen, what do you believe sets apart? successful real estate investors from those who you know maybe never get started, never get their first deal? Uh, and what do you think it is that made you successful in getting your first? Uh, I touched on this a little bit already, but I, I think just being willing to act. Uh, you're not going to know everything. You're never going to be fully prepared. Uh, so if you're conservative and uh, you know just learn quickly, move quickly, be willing to, to take action, uh, I think that's going to make all the difference. The first one's the hardest. Just learn from there. Nice. Yep. I, I Great, advice. Cool. Great advice. Awesome. All right. So where can people find more information about you? Uh, probably easiest place uh, on the forums, bigger pockets forums. Perfect, cool, perfect. We, we'll point to your profile, of course, in the show notes. So, fabulous. Okay. Hey, man, thanks so much for being on the show. We appreciate it, and I will look uh, forward to getting some of those blackmail pictures of Brandon from uh, when he was fifteen. <laughs> Although I, I, I've got one already. I've got a picture that of him in a mohawk. So you know, yeah, I'm just holding that one. Yeah, you, hold, you hold to on the to collection. that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, well, Jeremy. Nice talking to you as always. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Josh. See you, man. Yeah, thank you. Bye. All right, everybody, that was our interview with Jeremy Haman, the rocket scientist turned real estate investor. Not quite sure why, but that's all good. No, I get it. I, I totally get it. Even rockets. So that should be like the new slogan. Even rocket scientists invest in real estate. Invest in real estate. There yeah. you go. That'll be our t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So just, just to make this point one more time, though, if you've got questions or comments for Jeremy, or for any of these other guys, uh, do jump on the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 74 and uh, be sure to leave a comment there. Yeah. Also, if you guys are interested in learning more about that strategy that Jeremy used to get started, I wrote, and I'll link to it in the show notes, an article, it's super in-depth, uh, called How to Hack Your Housing and Get Paid to Live for Free. And it kind of outlines that whole basic strategy, so I will link to that in the show notes. Uh, and also, uh, I included an entire chapter on that in the upcoming uh, Bigger Pockets book on creative real estate investing, which we talked about a few weeks back. And it, it is coming out soon, so keep an eye out for it. Yeah, if, if only I could get past page 27. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you read that and then we're, we're, it's coming out. Yep, yep, yep. No, we're, we're definitely excited for that to come out soon. I, I know uh, it's taken a little while to get this released since we announced it, but it's going to be worth it, just, uh, just like everything else that we tend to put out. Yeah. Uh, but with that, why don't we wrap this up? 
Uh, as always, we want to invite you guys to come and join the Bigger Pockets forums. Jump in, start engaging, build your network, check out your post score, you know, and and yeah. uh, on the new on the new Bigger Pockets uh, site, and uh, and you know, start making things happen, doing deals, finding partners, financing people. You know, Bigger Pockets is not just about the education. There is a whole heck of a lot more happening, and it typically happens for those people who are active and who engage. If you think creating a profile is going to do anything for you, you are deeply, deeply misguided. So you have to, have to, have to uh, actually participate in the quote social of the social network that is Bigger Pockets uh, for great things to happen. And we encourage you all to do that because uh, we've got just more success, success stories than we can uh, talk about uh, as a result of, of people doing that. Uh, finally, jump on Facebook, Twitter, and G+. And last but not least, if you have not yet left us a review and rating on iTunes, we absolutely would appreciate it. So until next week, get out there, make moves, crush it, and uh, we'll see you next time. I'm Josh Dorkin. Signing off. Signing off. <laughs> That's not fair, dude. You can't do that. Too it's late. It's mine. Don't do it. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.